What's your story? Whether you're a client or an independent financial advisor, we know you face many important decisions that can affect your and your clients' long-term financial success. Welcome to the WIN Podcast. What's important now with Corey Hymanson, accredited investment fiduciary and president of Hymanson Wealth Advisors. In this podcast, Corey helps you identify your goals and objectives through financial education and comprehensive planning while inspiring you to make better behavioral decisions in your personal finance. With a twist on pop culture and current events, join us as we explore growth and protection strategies for individuals, advisors, and their businesses. Come and discover what's important to you now. Hello, and welcome to the Win Podcast with Corey Hymanson. Corey, how are you? Great. Good to be here. Yeah, it's always good to be with you. I learn a lot from you, man. I'm 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 so pleased that you allow me to be on this journey with you and just I get to glean things, right? And and I love the fact that these podcasts have a rewind button. I'm doing this with you live, quote unquote. But at the same time, I go back and listen to a couple of these things, right? Because there's you make some points and I don't take notes while we're talking. I just want to have a conversation with you. But doggone it, I have to go back and go, okay, let me let me hear what he said right there. Because You've got a lot of great information. I know that that's a purpose of this podcast is that you want to educate people and, and bring topics to life. But thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Here's the funny thing that I find is that people listen to these things and then they see me on the street and they're like, what do you do? Flip a switch, Corey, and like turn on your energy? And I'm like, no, <laughs> this is how I roll. I'm jacked up about this stuff because it doesn't feel like work. I like talking about this stuff. Maybe I can help somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, today it's it's getting real with Corey, right? We're going to dive into some things specifically, and this is kind of an interesting combination. I'm, I'm really interested to see where this conversation goes, but you want to talk about commodities and real estate. Yeah. Why wouldn't we? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Why wouldn't we? This, this sounds good to me. <laughs> All right. So commodities and real estate. Now commodities, when I think of that, I, I think of, you know, the old movie, uh, trading places, I think is what it was. Um, but uh, you know, the orange futures and you know, all this cloak and dagger yep. stuff with pork bellies and you know, whatever else is the, the commodities. Is, is that what you're talking about? The commodities exchange kind of thing? Yeah. It, and where my mind was going with this is in our last episode, we talked about inflation a little yes. bit and interest rates and, the buzzword now is, boy, should I be investing in commodities because of inflation? And so that's mm-hmm. where I wanted to just sort of start the conversation. But hey, it doesn't sound like an exciting topic. So we want to try and really, you know, make some fun out of this and, well, and, yeah. and educate people too. Yeah. And it, so here's the thing is that to me, it is so very, very interesting because oil is a commodity, correct? Absolutely. Okay. So back in 2020, like in April or May of 2020, I remember reading about people that had to pay other people to take their oil. It wasn't it wasn't like people were buying oil for $100 a barrel or $50 a barrel. People were being paid to take the oil away. <laughs> like it was a like it was a plague or something. I mean, I, I don't understand how that works and I don't understand how how somebody could actually have to be paid to take the oil away instead of having to pay for it. That's insane to me. And 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 just what 2 years later what are we at now? I haven't even looked. It's it's well over a hundred dollars. Yeah, and you have really jumped ahead to maybe what the uh, storyline at the end of this is is oh. <laughs> commodities. This is going to be a really short podcast now. Because Apparently, the, no. <laughs> Basically, supply and demand is what drives the prices of commodities, and and we'll talk about what commodities really are. But I mean, you really hit it on the head. I had people a few years ago that thought, Corey, I I just want to buy oil, and I and I'll 
wait until it goes up in value and then I'll, I'll sell it for more. And I said, now here's the problem. You got to take delivery of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, you're going to put a tanker ship in your, in your backyard. No, you can't do that. And, and so that's your point right there. If, if oil's trading at $9 a barrel, but somebody has got to store it. That's exactly why people were taking it for nothing or, <laughs> yeah. or, or paying people to take it off their hands. So they didn't have to pay storage. I'm sure the HOA would be a little, little, little frustrated with me if I parked a I can't tanker even put in a, my driveway. <laughs> I can't even put a garden shed in the back. What are you talking oh, about? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nosy neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> Watch how much oil you got over there. None of your business. It's really oh, none of your business. Gosh. That's fun. <laughs> All right. So let, let's go back to the to the movie trading places because I think that's that's – you said it best. You said it earlier before we even started recording. That's where people got their education on uh, on commodities and that's certainly where i did for sure and honestly i had to watch that movie a couple times back in the day i mean this was in the early to mid 80s i think yeah, you know so I, yeah. I was a fairly young guy i was in high school at that time and actually i had to watch it two or three times to even figure out what the heck just happened or how these people made money and the other people didn't right and the real takeaway was that you always hear buy low sell high mm-hmm but in that movie, Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd, they essentially sold a whole bunch of frozen concentrated orange juice futures, which is like cans of frozen orange juice, I guess. I don't know. But mm-hmm. they sold it first, didn't have it. Price goes down, then they buy it back. So they just did things in the opposite opposite order, and it, it was kind of a parody or a spoof. But, I mean, mm-hmm. it is real life that that's, that's sort of how things work. And maybe the bigger takeaway is – speculating can be dangerous Mm -hmm. you know we're not talking investing when we're when we're talking commodities in general you know so that was that is just a funny movie that i that i've loved and like you said a lot of behind the scenes jokes and and things going on but yeah you don't want to be randall and mortimer right i think those are the guys (laughs) names you don't want to be those guys having a heart attack on the floor because somebody took all your oranges or whatever but in in realistic terms when 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 I think of commodities besides, you know, orange juice futures because, you know, of that movie, I think of oil, I think of gold, I think of silver. I, I've, you know, I've heard the term pork bellies, which I still, I don't know, chicharrones? Is that what, is that what pork bellies really are? I, the, <laughs> you know, the pork rinds that you find in a bag, they're all crunchy. I don't oh, know. Man. But, you know, those, those are the types of things that I hear about and, and I just don't know. Uh, again, you, you, you spoke about speculating and, I've, I've seen commercials, and of course, commercials are there because people want to make money. They're trying to sell you something, but I don't know how many buy gold commercials I've seen over the years. It's insane. There's tons of people pushing gold. Is that something that people should be buying at this point? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't expect that question. You nailed me on that one. Let me let me go back a step before sure. I answer that question. And And so I think it'd be good for listeners to have an understanding of what exactly is a commodity. Perfect. Because... Especially here where I live in the Midwest, when you think of commodities, you think of maybe corn, soybeans, mm-hmm. like you said, pork bellies, maybe gold, silver. But really, a commodity is a thing that is a part or an input of a larger thing. Now, hmm. I'll, I'll go back on that a little bit. So what we're talking about is, let's think about an automobile. If you're going to build a car, how many pieces go into that process? whether it's tires or computer chips or the seats. I mean, you can go on and on. In theory, mm-hmm. anything that goes into creating something larger is a piece of that or it's a commodity. And so the prices of commodities change because of supply and demand. We already covered that. 
So there's a lot going on here in, in a bigger picture. So now to answer your question, and I get that question all the time from people. It's like they see these commercials and they say, should I buy gold? And I just smile because I've given the answer so many times. I, I could do it in my sleep probably. Hmm. But let's think about you and I own a warehouse full of gold. Oh, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. And then we think <laughs> what we should do with this gold is we should create a marketing campaign where we explain to everybody that the world's going to end and that the value of gold is going to go sky high. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to sell all our gold before that happens. Boom. You know, your, your, your mind blows because it doesn't make any damn sense. If you and I own a, in a whole warehouse of gold and we thought it was going to go up in value, we wouldn't be selling it on TV at four in the morning. You know, or selling a magazine subscription to try and doom and gloom and scare people into thinking they need to own this stuff. Now, I'm not answering your question if people should buy gold or not. (laughs) (laughs) But like everything in life, moderation is okay. Maybe owning a little bit of gold is a good hedge to, to inflation or to the overall portfolio. But boy, to just buy computer chips because you think they're going up in value or to buy gold coins or Krugerrands or all these different things because they're going up in value. I don't know if that's a great strategy. Hmm. Well, I'm telling you, I, I heard about a metal that I, I may have heard on a movie years ago, but it's, it's pretty important right now. Palladium. Have you heard of palladium? If you set some on my desk, I wouldn't know what it was. Exactly. How about right? that? <laughs> yeah. So, but palladium is one of the metals that's used in catalytic converters. And if you've been watching the news in the last six months to a year, two years, people have been stealing catalytic converters off of cars just to break them apart to get the different metals inside. Now, there, there, there's a lot of times there's some platinum in there, but palladium, those are all different metals that I'm assuming are would exactly to your analogy, part of a car, those are probably commodities as well. I'm assuming. Um, Absolutely. And, and that's, that's a concern, right? People, people aren't, aren't out stealing gold bags usually because that's a lot harder to steal, but these catalytic converters, they're taking that because of these precious metals. So getting back to that whole precious metals thing, it's, it's hard to tell what to purchase, what to invest in. And again, it goes back to that word that you said, speculating, I'm too nervous to do that. I'll be quite honest. I I don't know. I I know that silver is a wonderful conductor, as is copper for electricity. You know, with all the things that are being built and all the technologies that are being built, I think those are a lot of the questions that we all have, right? Right. And and you hit a good point. People think of gold because that maybe is just the, I was going to say gold standard. That doesn't make sense. But, you know, it's the one that comes to mind first. But, I mean, things like platinum and palladium are, are worth more money than gold. Mm. And silver's lower on the food chain and, and copper's below that. But to your point, if you think about all the gold that gets mined out of the earth, does it ever go anywhere? I would say no. It really isn't used in in, in production of things. Whereas much, vehicles, yeah. where vehicles or houses use copper, they use silver, mm-hmm. they use palladium, platinum. Those things, in theory, if we're talking about supply and demand... Things that get used go away, which makes the supply go down. You know, mm-hmm. so I mean, in theory, some of those things at least have production value instead of just looking shiny in a in a safe or a vault and your kids inherit them and pawn them the next day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I mean, guess I, yeah, I guess I like. 
I know I'm going off on another tangent. The problem with metals, let's say, is that they don't pay you a dividend. Heck, if I own something, invest in something, I want to get paid a dividend or some interest mm. income or something mm-hmm. while I'm waiting so that I don't have to pay storage to somebody and collect dust on these things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Corey, I've, I've actually heard it been said a couple times um, lately, especially in the last couple months, that buying gold or buying silver shouldn't be thought of as an investment. In other words, you shouldn't think of that as an investment that's going to grow and going to grow your wealth. It should be considered more for wealth preservation. What would you What would you say to that comment? I can see some value to that thinking, but let's let's take a step further. So, people would would maybe buy gold or believe they need to hold gold or silver to preserve value, mm-hmm. and one would assume that's because they feel the let's say American dollar is going to lose value or, or be worthless. Now that would mm-hmm. be extreme. But so in that scenario, let's say you're right and the world has gone south and people are scared and nervous and, and you go to the grocery store and you're carrying your gold bar or your silver trinkets. I mean, how are you going to buy goods and services? I, you're not going to be able to get change for your coins, gold <laughs> yeah. or silver ounces. Can't just shave I mean, off a, <laughs> yeah, shave you know, off a and, sliver. So I'm an eternal capitalist optimist of the American way, and and I believe that the American dollar is not going anywhere. It's backed by the best government in the world. Things fluctuate in value. There's political turmoil at times. There's world turmoil. But you know what survives? That would be capitalist America society. And, mm-hmm. and so at the end of the day, I don't I don't know why you'd ever trade your gold back for american dollars if you didn't think you liked american dollars yeah and that that whole conversation would probably tie in with cryptocurrencies now i know the compliance people in the world don't like me talking about that sort of stuff online but same holds true (laughs) yeah yeah no i i get it i understand i want to shift gears here because something you said earlier actually kind of rolls into the next part of what we want to talk about with the gold they're they're digging it out they're putting it into vaults um, the only commercial, really the only viable commercial use of gold is jewelry, which again, is it's not like you're going to take a ring to the grocery store to get some bread, but they're not making more. They're mining it, sure, but they're not making more. And I think the exact same thing would be true for real estate. They're not making more land. And I've, you know, I've always thought that owning land is a good investment. I could be wrong. In my specific case, I've, you know, I had a rental home um, that helped us out, helped our family out in, in, a, in a way. We only had one. I had friends that had seven or eight. I've got other friends that have property in different places. And in fact, it was, it's fascinating. I want to ask you about this here in a minute, but I've been watching, okay, this is really going to, this is going to, yeah, this isn't good for me. Anyway, I've been watching TikToks. <laughs> um, don't tell anybody else. Uh, I've, so on some of these TikToks, there's a couple people on there. They're like, hey, you need to buy some land. And there's one guy that's in Texas. There's another guy that talks about it a lot in Nevada. And you can buy like 130 acres for like $12,000. And you can, and it's in the middle of nowhere. And, but you, you own land at that point. I don't, I don't know if I want to own land out in Nevada that I'll never visit. I mean, it doesn't make much sense to me. But they're not making more land is the point. So is real estate a good investment? I think it is. And I'm going to clarify that, though, by saying in moderation. Again, boy, I'm the boring voice of reason. Today. <laughs> Get that. It's funny. The old adage in, in real estate is location, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
we have family out in North Carolina, and so we go out there once in a while. And there was one year where the ladies all had something to do, and I was kind of on my own. And so I, I thought, you know, I'm going to go bug a real estate agent. And, you know, <laughs> we're, on the, we're on the coast, and it's touristy, and I was absolutely wasting their time. There was no way I was buying anything. But, well, you know, went there and talked to her. And I really got a good takeaway that has stuck with me. And, and she says, you know, Corey, houses depreciate in value just because they get older, you know, essentially, and they, they're getting worn out. Mm-hmm. But she says, land touching water only appreciates. Yeah. Now, arguably, there's, you know, there's exceptions to that rule. But to your point, do you want to own a bunch of dry land in the middle of the continental United States that, you know, doesn't touch anything mm-hmm. <laughs> or has no use? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to buy a, a, a 50-foot lot on the ocean or, or on a lake somewhere? Mm. Mm. Yeah, that might be all right because there's only so much uh, water frontage. Yeah, yeah, and that Nevada land isn't going to do anything unless that fault line hits. And I'm not hoping for that. I'm not crossing my fingers. So don't think that California. I'm not trying to get rid of you. Right. Uh, but right. You, I agree. I'm, I'm, that, that would be a dream, though, to own waterfront property. That would be just beautiful. And and here's the the other thing is that everybody you talk to on the street knows somebody that's had a good experience owning real estate. You know, if you think about it, it's just like, oh, so-and-so bought that little cabin on a lake 50 years ago, and now yeah. it's worth so much, or or they bought farmland, or, you know. Now, is that the greatest strategy, just put all your money into land? No, I don't think that's necessarily right. Or And there's housing cycles, too. Boy, we, we're probably in one right now. It seems like uh, buyers line up to, to write checks to make offers on, on properties at this point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we just experienced that myself, and uh, we just sold a home this last weekend and it was it was crazy it was a feeding frenzy which is good for us as a seller but i can't imagine the buyers out there trying to to get some i've heard horror stories of people that have put in seven eight ten bids on different properties and not gotten a single one because somebody has outbid them so high um and we actually core we didn't take the highest bid because the person who was trying to purchase our home was so pushy and really had a really poor attitude and we just didn't go with them because we didn't like our gut feeling was not good. And so we actually went with a lower offer, but really good offer for us. But yeah, I, I can't imagine trying to be a buyer right now. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I'm just having a flash forward. I say this all the time too, that when, when I'm on my deathbed, you know, having $5,000 less in my bank account probably isn't going to matter. Yep. So when you said that you didn't take the highest bid, I, I instantly thought of that old <laughs> comment well, that I use. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, not to get too deep into it, but it was listed on a Thursday and five hours after it was listed, no showings, nothing. A bid came in for 35,000 over what we were asking. And that was the guy that was super pushy. He wanted an answer within three hours and didn't want us to show it to anybody else. It was just, a, again, it was just a poor attitude type of situation. So when, you ha- when you're faced with those kind of decisions, that's, that's tough. You know, the real estate market being what it is. But I, I want to go back to ask you about farmland. Now, I, I've, I've seen people that have purchased land because they want, they just want land, right? They just want land. They want property. They have no intention of farming it, but they've actually just reached out to local farmers that are around their area and said, Hey, if you want to farm it, here's the deal. I'll, I'll, you, you work the land and and do it and I'm not going to charge you anything. 
because they just want something done with the land and they want to own a piece of something. Have you seen that in your area? I mean, I mean you, you and I are neighbors, you know, you're in, you're in Iowa and I'm in Nebraska area. Have you seen stuff like that happening? Yeah, definitely. And from an investment standpoint, a lot of people have trouble wrapping their mind around being invested in the stock market because they feel like it's something they mm-hmm. can't touch or hold or feel, and they just feel like they don't have control. Yeah. So if they, if they buy farmland, they can go out there and kick rocks or touch the dirt or <laughs> feel the wind through their hair, you know, whatever it is. And it, it feels tangible. And, and yeah. I get that. And, and so a house could be the same way. The big thing is that when, when you buy land or property, I, I think you need one of two things, if not both. And, and that would be, hey, get some rental income out of it, mm-hmm. if possible, or, or if you're farming it, trying to make money. And, you know, you're trying to make income off it. That's goal number one, I'll call. Number two, though, is enjoyment. Everything in life, granted, I'm a money guy, but in life, not everything is about the money or the return. If you feel good owning something, by all means, you should own that if it if it's within means or within reason, I should say. Yeah. Because when you buy farmland out here in this world today and you try to rent it out to somebody else to farm it, you're really lucky to get a 2% return on your money and then you still have to pay property taxes. So mm-hmm. it is not a get rich quick scheme by any means. Is it better than having a certificate of deposit in the bank at 1%? Well, yeah, arguably two is better than one. But if you're doing it to invest and make money, eh, then you're really hoping for appreciation of that yeah. that asset, which can happen, but you know, it's not a sure thing all the time or it comes and goes in cycles. Yeah, absolutely. So Corey, let me ask you this. We've spoken a little bit about the farmland or just land in general um, and some strategies there as far as you really looking like you said for appreciation or just the satisfaction of owning property uh, which i think is a, a wonderful thing especially if it's like you said connected to water i'd love to get a little piece of farmland that was like right next to a river that'd be that'd be fantastic <laughs> but that's a lot of my price range right now but let's talk about commercial real estate, uh, you know, and, and I know that there's all sorts of ways to get commercial real estate. I, I spoke earlier that I had a rental home that just just the one. So that might be considered commercial real estate in a way. But I think that when people think of commercial real estate, they're thinking more like office space, office buildings. Um, and, and I know that people can purchase entire buildings, but I know that there's other ways to you, you can be a partial investor in in larger buildings like that. What are your thoughts on commercial real estate right now? In general, I've always liked real estate. My heart's kind of always been in that because it seems to make sense that if you buy something that's good quality, it should hold its value if not go up. But additionally, you should be able to get good cash flow off that. And commercial real estate's always appealed to me more than let's say residential or, you know, having a rental house or mm-hmm. an apartment building just because if I'm the landlord and I rent it to a business tenant that's open from nine in the morning till four in the afternoon, if they have a problem, they'll call me between nine and four. Yes. Yes. <laughs> if, so true. If, if, if I have a rental house and the, and the faucet's dripping at two in the morning, I might get a call at two in the morning, you yep. know, and that that's just a whole different clientele. And that's just never been my passion. Now, the flip side is when the economic cycles change or you have a pandemic, I mean, boy, everybody suddenly thinks the world's going to change and nobody will go to stores anymore and offices will close and everybody will work from home. Yeah, maybe for a while, but I don't I don't think the, the paradigm is shifting forever and ever and ever that I, I still think we're going to have commercial real estate in our country. Uh, and I'm not afraid to to own that again in moderation. Boy, mm-hmm. voice of reason again, coming back. 
but to answer your question, yeah, you don't have to save all your pennies and dollars and, and borrow a bunch of money to own an entire office complex. There are things like real estate investment trusts, which trade like stocks. There are exchange-traded funds. There are mutual funds. There are ways that you can own real estate for $50 a month of, of investing systematically or, hmm. or small pieces of money. So anybody can be in the game, and, and I do think it's part of an overall uh, good strategy or a plan. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, I we've we've seen real estate do all sorts of crazy things in the past. Oh, eight, oh nine with the housing stuff. Uh, I know that I'm sure that a lot of landlords got caught off guard with that uh, because owning multiple homes during that time was probably pretty detrimental. Um, but I didn't see the same thing with with commercial real estate when it came to office buildings and things like that. Did, do you remember that being an issue or as big of an issue as the homes? No, I would agree. I, I think that was a bigger problem where a lot of banks were, were letting people take out home equity lines that were beyond what the value of the house was. And it, it was just a bad, bad formula. And yeah. the flip side is I think lenders are a little more cautious or vigilant when it comes to lending money to businesses or, or related to commercial property owners you know and so and that's okay regulation is as long as we can still do productive things in our country and and continue to build the economy yeah yep absolutely well one of the things that that we covered on the very first podcast and and in the second podcast was the fact that you're putting these podcasts out for educational purposes and also to spark conversation one of the things that you said in your in your the second podcast was that you take everyone's individual situation as an individual situation everybody's life is different everybody has is coming from a different background has different family dynamics has different financial dynamics and you really sit down and have a conversation so when somebody's listening to these podcasts i know that it sparks a lot of questions and and maybe they're and they're thinking, okay, I'd love to own some property. I don't know exactly how to do that. And, and this is the first time as far as commercial real estate, this is the first time I've really heard that I can own part of a building or, or go in with others in those different formats that you mentioned. And, and they want to explore that option or they want to just talk to you about, hey, look, I, I do own gold or I do own some, some precious metals and I don't know what the best way to leverage those are. I know that you're, you encourage people to reach out and just have a conversation with you. So what's the best way to get a hold of you? Absolutely. My team and I can all be reached at 800-657-4316. And, and we all have the same energy as me. We like to bring our <laughs> A game every day. Uh, but go. no, we like to have conversations. And you're right. What's good for one person is not necessarily the perfect solution for the next. So it's great to just have personalized conversations. Yeah. And we all love our brother-in-law who suggests that we, you know, buy as much palladium as we can, but <laughs> it doesn't mean it's the right thing for us. So, Corey, I appreciate that, that bit of wisdom for sure. Any other closing thoughts today? I think I am good for today, and I will bring a new topic and more energy next time. Woohoo! All right. I look forward to it, my friend. Uh, thank you so much for your time today. And, of course, our last thank you goes to you listening audience. We wouldn't be here without you. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to The Win Podcast with Corey Hymanson. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Corey comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Hymanson Wealth Advisors, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Win Podcast. What's important now? 
the show that helps you achieve your financial dreams. To ask questions about topics covered during the show or get a copy of Stop Doing Dumb Things With Your Money by Corey Hymanson, visit www.hymansonwealth.com or give us a call at 712-472-3867. Don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc. Hymanson Wealth Advisors and Securities America are separate entities.